This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Cece, and Cece was in a toxic relationship with a financial abuser. It's a story of narcissistic mothers, belief systems, trust tricks, and using PTSD as a weapon. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives the voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad. And thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, if you want to be a guest on our show, please go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click that button, fill it out. We'll go back and forth on emails for a bit, and we will go from there. Please send everyone out there. Uh, send your stories in. We always need stories. And, uh, you know, we record a lot. We record – pretty much we record with everyone who sends in a story. Not every episode makes it to, to air, but we go through the whole entire process to, to figure that out. So just keep on sending in those stories. We can never have enough can't really reiterate that more than I already have. So thank you for doing that in advance. And also another way to be part of our show is to go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and to be part of our Letters to Our Narcissist compilation episode. On the side of our page, there's a floating button that says send voicemail. It records up to five minutes. If you need to record twice, you press it twice. Or if you need to record 10 minutes, you press it twice. I'm slow. To, I've been editing a lot today, everyone. So um, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com if you want to be a be on our Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode. If you do not want to read the letter yourself and you want me or my old pal Melissa to read the letter for you, just send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and put Letters to My Narcissist in the subject line. 
And if you want to support our show, join our Patreon. Yes, we have a Patreon. If you want to hear episodes that never made it to air, follow up episodes with former guests and much more, join our Patreon. We also have virtual support groups through Zoom every Wednesday and Saturday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. We also have our own online forum boards, which we think are safer than the ones on Facebook. And to join, just go to patreon.com slash NarcissistApocalypse. Join today. Be a patron of our Patreon. Help support the show. And other ways to help support the show? Well, if you, may, you may have noticed, I'm slipping up my words, it, you may have noticed we started to do advertising on the show. And we are trying to learn more of about more about our demographics. So we are actually having a a, a bit of a, a raffle where we are going to have ten winners of twenty five dollar gift cards to Amazon. If you if you fill out one of our survey forms, we're going to have that little uh, survey button in the show notes of of this show. You can click on it; it will take you to the survey, and we will go from there. We were doing that draw. Uh, September 1st, 2021. So please help us out by filling out all that information for us. And what else do we have here? I just want to talk about this episode with Cece. And this is a really interesting episode. Uh, This story is, well, there's really two stories here. And we discuss her family life with her, with her mom for much longer than we, when we normally would, uh, because it was just it was very very important for the rest of the story for you to understand everything it's a really interesting both little stories are interesting uh, obviously the relationship story is the bulk of this show but her story with her mom it's it's heartbreaking uh, but it really is important and we had to kind of get through all the little things for you to really understand what made cccc and what was her kind of belief system going into her relationship um, so there's also, uh, with this, at the beginning of, of this podcast, uh, uh, we were, or, or we were recording and I guess there was background noise, uh, from a cars that were kind of going by. We eventually changed that. So please bear with that. And now without further ado, here is my episode with CC. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, we have Cece. How are you? Fine, Chad. How are you? I am good. And today we are going to hear your story. Your story is one where you thought you were healed. And you thought, not that you were healed, but you thought that you uh, knew all of the signs to look out for. So, you know, that's something that's hard to deal with. And, um, you know, it's a long road to kind of go through. You have to do a lot of work uh, on top of the work that you you already did. So I want to thank you for being here and sharing your notes that you sent to me were superb. Uh, It's rare that I get notes that are that thorough uh things are (laughs) highlighted um bolded and and everything in different spots of all the learning lessons explanations of things uh so thank you so much for for sending that in um in in the way you did and and now i'm going to get out of your way cc the floor is now yours 
Well, thank you. It's an honor to, um, to be able to do this. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'm going to start just by kind of giving like a little, little background because the, the, um, the situation that I thought, you know, I had, I had overcome and healed from um, was with my family, um, particularly with my mom when I was growing up. And then it would be um, decades I would luckily get out of that. And then decades later, I would run into um, someone else that um, it would take me a while, but eventually I would realize that what I was experiencing as far as emotion and feeling was the same as I had, you know, in my childhood. And that's what would trigger me to like, oh my gosh, to, to look at this, to look at that situation differently. So, um, so just a little background. I'm, I, I'm not going to use, obviously I'm not going to use any names or specific, uh, places like cities or states. So I'll just use regions like East coast, West coast, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, um, my family is uh, not, I don't have a big family, and we're not very close-knit. It's pre- it was pretty much just, you know, my mom, um, my brother and I. I have a brother who's three years older than me. And um, we were all originally from um, the East Coast. We are both born on the East Coast. Um, both of, we have the same parents. Um, other than that, family-wise, it was my, uh, my grandmother, and then um, my mom has a sister, so I have an aunt and um, some cousins, but uh, we, were never, we were never really that close. Um, I don't have any memory of my dad. Um, he was out of the picture when I, when I was really young and would not have any contact with him um, later on, so that, you know, that uh, relationship wasn't there. My mom would move us to um, the southwest when I was about six, so, um, and then after we moved, we didn't have any contact with, um, like, my, my, my aunt and my cousins. My grandmother would come visit, like, every other year. So, not a, so just, not, just not a close family. And the other reason why I, I make that point is because, you know, my mom was it, right? Um, she, was the, she was the parent. She was the authority figure. Like, the, that's it. And um, what she what she said went, and you know there was no questioning it or anything like that. But from an early age, I kind of felt like something was wrong. I didn't really feel very connected to her or bonded with her. wasn't a very She wasn't a Betty Crocker mom. She wasn't home baking cookies when we got home from school. She was a single mom and she worked. Um, but there also just wasn't a lot of like I don't know. Uh, emotion or encouragement or things like that she would actually um you know throughout my uh like grade school and teenage years she would actually you know she would do all she would pull every tool from the narcissist toolbox i call it she would um uh like uh body shame me she would if someone complimented me she would correct them or tell, you know, tell them they were wrong or discount it somehow. She would, um, uh, you know, stop me from, from doing things that I wanted to do, activities that I wanted to do. She would find a way to, you know, a reason that I couldn't do these, those things. Um, 
she would, uh, her favorite threat to me was that she was going to send me away. That was always her, like her favorite threat. I'm going to send you away. But she actually did send my brother to a boarding school at one point when I was, when I was like grade school age, because he had some behavioral problems or whatever, and she couldn't deal with him. Um, so, so it wasn't an empty threat when she was telling me like that she was going to send me away. I had actually seen her do it. So, you know, so I'm, so this is like the cloud I'm living under as, as, as a kid. So I just tried to be like the good kid, the quiet kid, the invisible kid, but the, the older that I got, she, just her, her contempt for me just really just seemed to grow. And just anything I did, especially if I was good at something, or, you know, um, she just, it just seemed to make her, you know, not like me more. Um, she, I would be in gymnastics when I was young. She made me quit that as soon as some, as soon as one of the coaches said, oh, she's really good. We need to move her on to the next level. It was like, no, we're not doing that. Um, you know, I different sports that I would that I would attempt to play in school. Like I'd end up having to quit, or I'd get in trouble for something else, and that would be the punishment. Was that I could no longer do that. Um, and then, but then at the same time, she would call me fat, and I wasn't at all. Um, years later, I would see pictures of myself that my grandmother would send me when I was young, and, and I don't have any of that stuff. I have nothing from my childhood. And my grandmother would send me pictures, and I would, looked at them. I opened this package expecting to see, like, you know, a little fat kid. <laughs> and I wasn't. I was tiny. And it just, you know, as an adult looking at those pictures, I knew exactly what, you know, was going on. But as a kid, I, you know, I didn't know. Um, so, yeah, so she would just – her other favorite thing to do was toss my room. Like I was a prison inmate. I would, I would come home from school and just my things would be all over the place. And she would throw away like awards and ribbons and stuff like that, that I had won just, you know, um, just on and on and on. So she would restrict me, punish me for things I didn't do. Um, and I had no, I had no voice. I had no, there's nothing I could say or do. And then eventually she would, um, um, we would move to the West Coast, just my mom and I. My brother was already older and, and on his own. Um, but she had kind of like disowned him at one point when he graduated from high school because he didn't do what she wanted him to do. Um, so then she moved us. So she moves us to the West Coast. And then, uh, so I was like 16 at the time. I was in my junior year of high school. And um, I never had a problem, meet, you know, meet, you know, making friends or anything anywhere we anywhere we lived. Um, even when we lived in the, the southwest, we moved around a lot, like within within the same city, but different parts of the city. And I would go to a lot of different schools, but I would always I would always manage to make friends, and that was and adjust. So like that was never a problem for me. So we moved to the West Coast, and I did the same thing I always did. Like, I, I made friends right away, and I even, like, um, I used to also babysit from a really young age. So um, I started babysitting again because I never wanted to have to ask her for anything. It would, took me, it would take me days to ask, to get up the nerve to ask her for anything, like, if it was, whether it was, you know, something that she had to sign for school or if there was something I needed or whatever, I was just terrified and like just nervous and just, it would take me forever to get up the nerve to ask her for anything. So, so 
So as soon as I could, I, I started making my own money so I wouldn't have to ask her for anything. I could, if there's something I wanted, I just, I would buy it myself, you know. And I thought at that time, that was kind of like the best we'd ever gotten along. Now, our paths hardly ever crossed. You know, I would get up and go to school in the morning. She'd get up and go to work. I'd go babysit after school, go home, make something to eat, do my homework, go to bed, and then she would come home. So we would never, our, you know, our, our schedules didn't mesh. And my household was never one where, like, you know, you get up in the morning and you're super chat, chattery with each other. You're like, oh, good morning. What are you, know, what are you doing today? <laughs> like that, that kind of atmosphere just was never in my house. So, so um, but I didn't mind. I, I had developed the ability to, to be you know, okay on my, you know, on my own, I guess, um, just through, through the years. And, um, and, uh, we went on like that for, um, about five months. And like I said, I made friends, but I think she had met the, there was like two girls that I hung out with primarily. And, you know, we went to school together and I think she met them, but, but she didn't meet their parents. Like, you know, again, not Betty Crocker mom. So she's, she's got no interest in meeting like my, my friend's parents or, you know, there were no like barbecues with everyone or, you know, anything like that. She just did her own thing. And, um, but my friend's parents would always ask about her and I would just always say, you know, she's, she's just not there. You know, she was always like working or on a trip or something. And they just didn't understand that, you know, because they were the, you know, like typical parents. And they actually, uh, later they would tell me that they actually thought at one point that I was a runaway and that I was living by my, living by myself. <laughs> and um, they would drop by our house like at, at like random times because they, you know, just to see if they could meet her. And she was just never there. Um but it didn't, that, that didn't bother me. But then um, one time she went on a trip and um, one time she went on a trip and, and I had dinner at my friend's house, like I did, a, you know, a hundred times. And, and my mom, my friend's mom wouldn't let me leave. She was like, you're not going to go home and stay by yourself. Like, that's just not going to happen. You know, they just didn't understand how, how that could be. And so they had me, you know, they went, had me stay at their house. Well, my mom ends up calling. Yeah. You know, which it was rare. Like, like I could, it, she just didn't do that, you know? Um, and, and, and this is a long time ago. So there wasn't cell phones or stuff like that. I couldn't tell her or anything. Um, so to her, I just wasn't home and I was like running around in the streets, you know, again, she, you know, she would always accuse me of things like that. I was, you know, of course, cause I was a teenager, I was out like, you know, drinking and smoking and having sex and, you know, robbing banks or whatever. I don't know, whatever she got in her head that I was doing, that's was her reality. And, and so when she did come back, she was, you know, extremely angry. Um, and, and, um, I got punished of course. Uh, and then, and then like, it wasn't that much longer after that, that she just one day said, you know, this isn't working out. And she would end up um, making me making me quit school. She would make me go to school 
and lie to them and say that there was like a family emergency and that we we were moving back to the Southwest, but we were not going anywhere, just me. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so I would, you know, I did what she said. I mean, that's your mom, right? I mean, she sent my brother away. She can send me away, right? And um, uh, my friends, uh, I told my friends, and they, they tried to, my friend's parents, you know, tried to talk to her. She wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, and then basically, she basically, like, put me on a plane and sent me back to um, the Southwest, which we had either sold our house or she was renting it out. There was nowhere. She was sending me back to, to nothing, right? To, there was no one there. There's no family, as I mentioned before. Uh, don't have a big family. Um, not close. So, you know, no, there's no one there. Um, one of her friends that um, was someone she used to date um, for, for quite a while when we lived there, the night before... I left, he called, she must've told him something. And so he called and he was kind of questioning her and going like, what is, what, you know, you can't do, what's wrong with you? You can't do, you know, you can't do that. Where's she going to go? What's she going to do? And, and he was, he even said like, who's picking her up from the airport? Because where we used to live is not where you like fly into, let's say, right. It's kind of, it's like equivalent to if you, flew into like Los Angeles and then you had to drive an hour to get to where your actual destination was kind of like that. And, um, and she actually told him, she said, um, I don't know. She has friends and something clicked in me that I was like, Oh my God, like this is, here we go again. Like she had, she had always exhibited, I didn't recognize it then as like jealousy. You know, if you, when you start reading about narcissistic mothers and, and especially the narcissistic mother raising a daughter, there is, there's a lot of different ways that um, the narcissist can behave. And one of them is jealousy. And, and so, you know, all of that, um, a lot of that, that I mentioned before about how she would, you know, um, not accept compliments of me, not praise me, not accept praise about me, make me quit anything that I was good at or that I would receive, you know, uh, praise for. Like, all of that is based in, in, in a certain amount of jealousy, right? And, um, but yeah, so, so she would put me on a plane and, and send me away, and I because I didn't know that there was anything wrong with it. Um, I just sort of, you know, lived my life. I, I knew I had to, my mind just immediately went to like, I need to go back. I need to get back in school. Cause she had pulled me out of the school prematurely. I need to make, you know, I need a job. <laughs> I need a place to stay. And um, so I somehow, you know, lined all that up and, but eventually I would be um, found out by the, um, uh, by someone, it, it was. It actually ended up being like an old friend of my mom who just happened to work in the, in the, uh, in the juvenile um, court system, right? Because um, my mom at one point worked for the state, so a long time ago. So we met these people. I met social workers and attorneys and things like that. And I would run. You know, this was a small town, so I run into them. And and when I would tell them that, I, you know, I told them I was there by myself. 
they were just like, what? <laughs> and, um, and that's when it was explained to me that what she had done was considered abandonment, neglect, you know, and on and on and on, that she could go to jail. And um, I had to be put in the system for a period of time and stay at a, and live at a, at a foster home, with this, live with a foster family. That was horrible. And um, they just, I mean, it wasn't horrible. They were nice people, but they didn't understand me or where, or where I was coming from. And they wanted to kind of make me part of their family. And I just, I'd never, I never had like a, you know, regular quote unquote, like, you know, family experience. So I just, I didn't know what that was. And I had a lot of things on my mind at the time, you know, to me, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, you know? even though I'm only 16, I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. And they're, you know, they're wanting me to like go to church with them and, you know, babysit their kids and, you know, and all these things. And I was just like, Oh my God, I told my social worker at the time who was also an old family friend. Um, luckily that, you know, I was like, you got to get me out of here. I can't, I can't do this. Um, you got to let me stay somewhere else, like with one of my friends or something. And, and so we were able to work that out. And then eventually I, um, I got, uh, I decided to go for, um, apply for emancipation because, uh, the choice was I would either be sent back to my mom, which I knew she didn't want, but she wouldn't have had a choice because she was breaking the law. Um, or I could apply for emancipation and, um, which basically means like you're an adult. Um, but you have to, it's a court filing and then you have to have a hearing and you go before a judge and you basically have to exhibit that you can take care of yourself. And, um, I had, you know, I'd already, like I said, I'd already, I got myself back in school and finished my junior year. I had a job. Um, I also had, um, friends, the friends that I met on the West coast offered to, uh, have me move back there if I wanted to and stay with them for my senior year of high school. And I also had people um, there in the Southwest that also wanted to, you know, uh, wanted me to live with them. So I had, so I had options. And um, so I decided to do that. But before the judge would rubber stamp it, um, because the system is designed to put the family back together. So they had to give my mom an opportunity. You know, if she would have said that she wanted me back, then they would have they would have sent me back to her, um, but but we got on the phone and it was like on speaker and they you know asked her a couple of questions and then um, she's talking to me and she asked me what I was going to do and I you know and I told her that you know these friends wanted me to you know live with them and and she actually said. <laughs> that she didn't think it was a good idea because she didn't know them. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know what got into me, but I said, I actually said, um, well, at least they want me. And she responded, well, I guess that's true. And that was it. And so, you know, the judge was like, boom, rubber stamp, <laughs> like, good luck. Good luck to you. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you're good. But, um, you know, life is pretty good. I, I actually, I did not see or 
speak to my mom for 23 years after that initial split, right? When I, once I, once I was emancipated, um, you know, she didn't make any attempt. And, you know, I, I kept in touch with my grandmother and my grandmother would kind of like make these attempts to get us together over the years. And then, but my mom would always quash it, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I just, you know, I just went on with my life and I think I was lucky in a sense that, that I didn't have a strong connection to her and it allowed me to, to break, to break away. And then once I did break away, um, I was fine. You know, I, I, it, it scares me to think of what might've become of me if I had stayed with her because I was so, my self-esteem was like so low with her. She was always, you know, she's doing all these things to me. She's gaslighting me. She's restricting me. She's doing, and then she would turn around and say, what's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? Why, you know, I think you're depressed. Yeah, you need help, you know? And, um, So yeah. after this happens, mm-hmm. you kind of, you're going through, you know, uh, being adult. You're still, you know, you're young. You have a lot of responsibilities that most, uh, almost all kids don't have. Right. And uh, at what point do you start to look into... Um, you know, these are the issues that I have that have stemmed from this relationship. Uh, how do I go about fixing them and doing the work on like figuring out what your mom is, was, Mm -hmm. and like, did that happen immediately or did that start happening, uh, a bit later and what was the process of it all? Yeah, so that happened. Yeah, it was it was later. I I I can't remember how I first came a, uh, came across it. I think I started. I was always an avid reader, and I started reading. Um, and I was into like you know Stephen King and Dean Koontz and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, like, um, but I also liked um, um, you know like mafia stories and things like that. And I started reading true crime books. Somehow I found a true crime book. I found Anne Marule. <laughs> and I start reading these true crime books. And, and on a lot of them, you know, the, there's, a, there's a, like a malignant narcissist, right? Like this very, very dangerous, the, the, the most dangerous kind, the ones that, you know, won't let anybody go and, and stalk and murder and, you know, uh, just horrible, horrible people. But somewhere, somewhere in there, um, it just, it turned me to start reading about, uh, narcissists. Like there were enough, like, even though those were extreme stories, there was enough in there that kind of got me thinking. And then I found, I found some literature about the, the specific, like the narcissistic mother and daughter relationship. And I was just like, Oh my God. I mean, it was, an, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, it was like, I was reading about my life, you know? And, and um, so that's what's, 
that's what started me down that. And then, and then you just, you know, you start reading more. And like I said, I was already out. So I had, I'd done pretty well, you know? Um, yeah. I, and I kind of knew that. And, and I kind of knew that I got back in touch with my brother and I learned that he actually had a much harder time with her um, because he did have a connection and a relationship with her more than I, more than I did. And so even though he got away from, he, he has this, like, they have this, like, push-pull relationship still to this day, you know. They're in contact way more than we are. And, and she's still, like, you know, playing with him. And it's awful. And he, but he hates her, <laughs> you know. He, just, he, does, he recognizes that, she's, that she was not a good uh, person and not a good mother. And he, you know, he tells her that he had a horrible childhood. And that there's a lot of things in his adult life that he doesn't enjoy right you know, now because of her. But, um, and I applaud him for saying those things to her. But then what she does is she calls me and tells me, can you believe your brother said this to me? <laughs> and I'm like, are you really calling me to complain about my brother telling the truth about his experience <laughs> with his childhood? I'm like, I'm, yeah, she just has no, zero self-awareness at all. So, yeah, so I, so I learned, you know, I learned a lot. I kept reading, and, and um, the one area of my life, this kind of leads into the, into the next experience that I have with a, with a narcissist, and, use, and, and you, you know, we're kind of using that term broadly, but um, the one area of my life that I maybe had a question about was, um, like, romantic relationships or could I have, am I capable of having a, having a close relationship? Like I have friends. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had some relationships in college and stuff like that. And they seem to have ended, you know, the way, you know, some relationships do that you just fizzle out. Um, but I knew like, I didn't want the, um, the, you know, I, I was not attracted to the traditional um, like roles that people have in relationships. So if someone, so if I'm in, a, if I was in a relationship, especially when I was younger, like in my 20s, even 30s, if I was in a relationship with someone and they started talking about like marriage and stuff like that, I was like, <laughs> what? No, no, no. I was just not focused on that at all. And I, I don't think I have a biological clock that just, you know, having kids never, that never, Surprise, surprise, that never sounded like a good idea to me, <laughs> you know. Have, um, having dinner at 6.30 every day doesn't appeal <laughs> to you. Right. right. I, you know, it's so funny, even though I, I am a, a very, I am a, um, what do you call it, um, structured, um, disciplined, I don't like routine. I don't like things that are like, like super routine. Um, so even my, even my profession, even though, yes, I get up and I go to work every day, but my job, what I do every day is not the same. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, I'm, I couldn't just like, I couldn't work like in a factory or something like, you know what I mean? Something like that. Um, so, so even though I have structure in my life, I have discipline, I have, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I've never been in trouble with the law. 
I have good credit, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> I have money in the bank, that kind of thing. Um, I've always had good jobs. I've always lived in, you know, I've lived in, um, I've lived in the, the place I'm living now. I've been here for 10 years, but even before that, I lived in places like, you know, at least like four years or four years here, four years there. So, but I don't like routine and like, and, and marriage and kids to me just sounded like a loss of freedom. That's what it sounded. That's what it sounded like to me. So I'm like, oh my goodness, you have to, you know, you have no choice. I don't, I, I take my hat off to people. I don't know how they do it because to me, um, I guess at a real, you know, from a really young age, I just, I recognized it for being as hard as it is. You know, I didn't see it through rose colored glasses. And think, oh, you get married and you have kids, and it's oh, it's so great. I was like, no, that looks, that looks, really, really difficult. And there's just not enough hours in the day. Like, how is that even possible? You know, I'm trying to just take care of myself, and I need more time. So, yeah. So I take my hat off to people that can do it and do it well. But um, I was just never, that was just never my focus. So anytime that came up in a relationship, I I would feel like, okay, this person doesn't know who I am at all if to even bring this up you know like <laughs> like you're not paying attention kind of thing now i didn't think as i got older like in my 40s i was kind of like oh this is kind of strange i didn't i didn't actually think i'd be you know still single at this age i thought i would be like in a relationship of some sort <laughs> you know um so, so I, you know, so I questioned myself. I, I, I questioned if I was capable of that. And then my friends, my friends would always you know, question and say, how come you're still single? You know, people I would meet, well, how, I can't, I can't believe you're still single. Like, you know, you're such a good catch, you know? Um, and, and, and they'd say, maybe you're too picky. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you don't give people a chance. Maybe, um, you know, you need to be more flexible and, and, you know, some of my friends would have relationships where they would, you know, get in fights or break up, get back together kind of thing. That never made sense to me. But they were like, you know, sometimes you have to go through conflict in order to make the relationship stronger. <laughs> and, and so, you know, some of what people said kind of stuck in my head. And, and I would think like, well, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe I'm not single because maybe it's not really my choice. Maybe it is because of how I conduct myself in relationships, and maybe I need to examine that, right? So here we have these beliefs that are being implanted by your friends innocently um, that I assume are going to become a big hindrance to you because your belief now about what ta it takes to be in a relationship has been somewhat altered and uh, right. And I'm seeing it too, right? I'm yeah. seeing it in, in my friends. I see their, you know, like I'm that person that people come to with their problems mm -hmm. and I would actually tell them like, I don't know why you're coming to me. I haven't been in a serious relationship in like, you know, really long time. I don't know if I'm the right person to, to talk to you about this. Cause I'm, I was always pretty like hard lined. I was like, if it's not, if something's wrong, if it's not working, then, you know, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously not all things are like that. There's a lot of gray areas, but I didn't see those gray areas, but 
but my friends were showing me gray areas, right? And I was learning to like be more like, even with them, I had to learn to be like more, a little more empathetic, a little more, you know, like instead of trying to give them advice, I would just listen and just, you know, and, and I realized that even, even in, even though, even if someone is in a, um, not necessarily an abusive relationship, but just like a bad relationship that they're not, they're not going to be, they're not going to be done with it until they're done with it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can tell them like, Hey, I think, I don't, I don't know if it's such a good idea for you. You know, I don't think this person has your best interest at heart, but until they figure that out for themselves, you know, they're going to, they're going to stay there. So I had to, so I was learning these things. So, when do you meet um, the person that this sto- your story is about? So yes, so enter N number two. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so I I feel like I'm in a good place in my life, and I meet this person, and we meet in a social setting, and I just think he's you know he's. Physically, he's my, he's my type, you know, he's attractive, and, and he just seemed to be, you know, having a good time. Um, we strike up a conversation and pretty quickly, you know, um, exchange numbers and, like, almost right away, we're, we're spending a lot of time, we're spending a lot of time together. And um, it's, you know, what I didn't recognize it for at the time was like, you know, the total, the total love bombing. I mean, it was, we were together all the time. I mean, unless I was, you know, unless I was working and, um, and from, you know, what I had experienced maybe in the past, it was, it was a little shocking for me. I was, this is not something I was used to, but then on the other hand, it was better than, you know, the people who, they seem interested and then you never hear from them. Right. So I thought, okay, well, this is, you know, he's, he's obviously like really interested. Um, so we go on like that. Like at one point we spent like a whole solid, like two weeks together, like, you know, day, night. And I would just go to work, go to my house for a little bit. We lived close to each other. So it was easy to spend a lot of time together. And, and, um, he would be calling me. He'd call me like several times during the day to find out what I was doing later. And then I would end up, you know, going to my house for a little bit and then going to his house. And, um, and then I'd go back to my house in the morning to get ready for work and, you know, rinse repeat. And, um, and then when I would, um, okay. So during this time, during this like honeymoon period, if you will, he tells me his story and and I should have I should have run I guess right there but um, but so he tells me his story and he um, he was in the military he was um, he was suffering from uh, PTSD um, he also had like anxiety, panic attacks. He had some um, physical injuries, so he had pain. 
and um, he'd been married before. He had he'd been married before. He had a couple kids. So his ex and his kids lived in another state. He had a strained relationship with his parents, or and you know with the rest and the rest of his family. Um, you know, it was just like, oh my god, <laughs> but. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at my background and I'm kind of like, well, I can't, can't hold that against somebody, right? Like they have a strained relationship with their parents <laughs> or, or with their ex. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of normal, you know, that, that can be normal. Um, so, so he tells me all this and, you know, immediately I'm like, I feel, of course, I feel sorry for him. I feel bad, you know, I feel badly for him. And, and, but I also felt like, I remember going home at one point and just being like really overwhelmed because he had a lot of stories and, and he was like telling me all these things and it was just like drinking from a fire hose. It was just like, you know, and so I remember feeling really overwhelmed and feeling badly for him. And, um, we kept spending, we kept spending time together and I had, and I would witness like the anxiety and the panic attacks and stuff like that. Um, he would also tell me that at one point when he got out of the service and and then um, he was still with his wife, but then they got divorced. He said that he was homeless, like basically homeless for a while, and and you know did a lot of drinking and drugs and stuff like that but now he was you know now when i'm meeting him he's um he's receiving benefits you know um from the government he's in he's in therapy he you know he goes to he he goes to physical therapy and talk therapy he's on he's on he's on a lot of medications for his you know anxiety ptsd like you know the and then physical pain and, um, but he's, you know, he's got his own place, you know, like he's, he's getting better, right? He's, he's working on it. So, so that's where I am with him. I'm thinking, okay, wow, this person, um, this person's, you know, going through a lot. He's a, he's a vet. So, you know, he deserves, he deserves, you know, what happened to him wasn't, I thought what happened to him wasn't his fault, Right. And he deserves, you know, to be getting, you know, all this help and, and hopefully, you know, he'll get better and like, you know, great. And um, so that's, you know, I thought that was it. Um, and then the bad behavior, the other bad behavior started. And uh, well, I went I, well, sorry, before we get to the bad behavior, was there, uh, I guess, as far as kind of hooking you in? Yeah. What, was there like uh, future faking? Um, oh, yeah. And, and things a like lot that? Of, yeah, there was a lot of we, we, you know, there was a lot of, uh, he had a lot of plans when there's, he wanted to take trips and, and, um, uh, you know, and, and we were just together all the time, you know. Um, at one point, he, um, you know, like we're together and like his phone rang and he told me to answer it. Like, you know, you know, little things like that. And I'm like, I don't want to answer your phone. And, he, and he's like, no, go ahead. 
And and that and it, being a real big trust type event where oh you can answer my right. phone I don't care who's on the other end you know right. every you know you're open to every part of my life right exactly and then later that the phone would become would would play a big part in in our like relationship and uh, yeah he would use it almost like a weapon it was like it, yeah it, it gets it would get crazy but yeah so there was yeah there was there was a little bit of that but I think most I think for me. Um, kind of the bonding kind of happened just because of what he was telling me, you know, when, oh, the other thing is when he told me all that stuff about himself, it was because he trusted me. So, you know, when the bad behavior started, it, I, you know, I started kind of going like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, when we would go out, so with the, I, okay. Not sure how to explain this. Like, um, he was very charismatic. Um, he was like a social butterfly. He, you know, when we would go out, he would be like talking to everybody and and um, things like that. And I didn't really that didn't really bother me because because I'm very social and I know a lot of people. So you know, you go out, you run into people you know. And I had been out with people before that would be very insecure about that and would not like that I, you know, that if we went somewhere and I ran into people that I knew, they seemed to be, you know, bothered by that. So I thought, oh, well, this is good. There's someone that's, someone that's like as social as I am, like, and, and isn't going to be bothered by, by things like that. So um, I just thought, you know, I didn't see, I didn't see a problem with that. But then later, like a little later on, like sometimes people, I noticed that sometimes people he was talking to, like you could just tell by someone's face and body language that they were kind of like, you know, oh my God, this, this guy is, you know, a lot. <laughs> and people would say that to me a lot. They'd say, wow, he's a handful. And I would say, I would always say that, well, he's been through a lot. That was always my response. He's been through a lot, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking any behavior that he exhibits is all about PTSD, Right. I'm, I'm attributing, you know, anything that comes up, whether if he, if he's, if he's angry, if he's sad, if he's, you know, whatever his, whatever his mood and whatever his behavior, I'm, I'm thinking it's related to PTSD. So when the, then I start to realize the bad behavior starts coming up. I start to realize that he actually um, may have like, uh, and like an addiction problem. Like he drinks a lot. He definitely has an addictive behavior, right? So, um, so he's drinking a lot. He's um, he's on top of like the all the medication that he that he takes, right? And so sometimes when we'd go out, like the nights would start with, you know, him all in a good mood and everything. And then, and then, and then by the end of the night, he's, he's like despondent and, you know, and, and crying and, or, or angry. And he's, you know, um, just, you know, threatening, you know, suicide and just, you know, just, it's just like total, you know, craziness or 
then so, I also, so, in, so when that would happen, would you pass that off again? This is PTSD. Oh, yeah. Know, this is just an episode. Uh, yep. I am, I'll be here to help. Are you thinking yep. you can fix him? No. No, 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 no. Not fix him, but I think I need to be, I think I need to be patient. Mm-hmm. I need to be, you know, this is, I thought maybe this is the person that my friends told me about, that I need to give a chance. That I need to, you know, I need to be more flexible. I need to be more understanding. I need to be patient. I need to go through conflict, right? Yeah, all of that. And 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 he's telling me that I'm the type of person that he needs to be around. That I calm him down. That I'm a, you know, since I'm since I'm such a good person, like, and he wants his life to be better. Like, I'm the I'm the I'm the one. I'm the one who's going to like oh, yeah. so, you know, so, make, make so, this so, better. Yeah, so in a way there is a fixer element to it that's kind of running through you. Yeah, I okay. didn't think that, but he's telling me that, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I wasn't running around going like I need to fix it, you know, like or trying to do anything. He was he was going to he was doing what he he was supposed to be doing. He was going to therapy and stuff like that. But in a way that statement that he puts out there right is is sowing a seed of you staying around. It's like when someone is going to fake commit suicide or they say, I'm going to commit suicide for that person who's in a relationship with them. All of a sudden it freezes them and thinks that they're responsible. So they have to stay him saying that to you about you're the one that's a fixer is going to keep you in because now you believe you're the only one that can help or that you have guilt to help. Right. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So um, he started. He he had like no regard for um, any any. I started noticing like he didn't have didn't seem to have regard for other people's like feelings or time or boundaries. Right. He was always he was always rushing me. Like I mentioned the phone again. Right. The phone played like such a huge part because he was always calling me and. And even, even times where I would get, when I would like get away and say, I, I need to go, I need to stay home today. I have things I want to need to do. I, I want to go to the gym, like stuff like that. He would end up calling me like in the middle of whatever it was I was doing. And he'd have, you know, say he was having like a panic attack and needed me to come over. And, and, you know, and of course I did <laughs> in the beginning, I would, you know, I was, I was dropping everything to, go to help him right or you know to be with him um and uh i even took him to the hospital a couple times when he had these the panic attacks and one of the times like he had his dad um he had started talking to his pants again and his dad came to um to the hospital and, you know, and I, I can't remember what I was in the middle of doing. I might have been at the gym or something, but I just went, you know, the way I was, right? Like, so I'm just like, you know, no hair, no makeup, you know, just in my workout clothes or whatever, just, you know. And later on, and so on, so now I meet his dad, like, under these, like, weird conditions. And then later on, he would say, you know, nice first impression. <laughs> And, and, you know, that would make me feel horrible, right? But I still didn't recognize it as, like, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know. I thought, I think I blamed myself. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I should have, like, you know, looked better <laughs> and when I was 
rushing me to the hospital. <laughs> um, so he was always rushing me to get to his house, like always calling, wondering where I was, stuff like that. And then when I would get there, like let's say we were going out or something, and then when I would get there, he wouldn't be ready. And then I would, you know, I'd be sitting there sometimes for hours, like waiting for him to get ready. He was very, very concerned with his appearance and um, would sit there messing with his hair and, you know, change clothes three times. And, and then he would, like, he was easily distracted. He'd start, like, organizing his closet or, you know, do, or looking up something online or talking to somebody on the phone or whatever. And it was like, you know, and you're sitting there like, come on, I thought we were leaving. You know, I thought we were leaving. You made me rush over here. And now, you know, you're not ready. You know, it was like, it was like annoying, right? And then he would he would call um, he would call people like you know in the middle of the night he would um, go by there like if we were out driving around he'd go by someone's house and like at all hours he just like really had no um, no regard for anyone's you know time or or feelings or whatever he was he was the only one that could have emotions. You know, like if you, um, for instance, um, some of these nights where we go out and he would end up, you know, just acting manic. He's, you know, he's throwing money around. He's, he's, uh, he wants to go to this place and then that place. And then if any time, like when he's ready to leave, it's time to leave. Like the, whether you're like in the middle of talking to somebody or eating something or whatever, it's like, He's, he's, he would say he's, he's having anxiety and it, you know, wanted to, and it was time to leave. And, um, and uh, so after, you know, and then, and then sometimes at night, like I couldn't get him out of the car because now he wants to sit there and like listen to music and like, you know, talk and then he'd start crying and then, you know, and, and, um, and if I brought it up the next day, like, hey, can we talk about, what happened last last night? He would say that I was um, triggering him, and that he didn't need the uh, negativity, and you know, and that if I wanted to, there was a lot of like, if I wanted to, if I was going to be with him, then I had to be this way, you know, or that way. There were a lot of rules. He had a lot of rules for people, and a lot of pe types of people he couldn't he couldn't be around or be associated with. And there, so there was like, you know, it just, um, there was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was constantly, he was constantly talking, telling his opinions of, of people and talking bad about people, even his own friends, you know, he would talk bad, he would talk bad about them. Um, um, this one couple in, in particular, and we got along really well and we decided to, to you know, get together independent of him because there were times where we were all supposed to hang out and he wouldn't show up. He didn't show up, so we just decided like, well, let's just you know, we'll just hang out on our own, and we had fun, and so we exchanged numbers and we decided we were going to get together you know on our own. He didn't like that. He didn't want that. He didn't want me hanging out with them without him because he didn't want us talking about him behind his back. So, um, you know, that's that, trying to keep everybody triangulating, trying to keep everybody separated so they can't compare 
you know, compare notes, compare stories about him. So he liked to compartmentalize his relationships so no one could talk to each other as far as, hey, these things are really weird that are going on, Uh, you know, and there's no, you know, if no one can cross paths, the better. And he knew that uh, from the beginning. Right, right. Then he started being, um, so we had, you know, this has been maybe like a few months in and these, these, these nights, these crazy nights that I'm, that I keep talking about are happening like more and more. Plus he's also, I also find out that he's, um, that he's gambling a lot. And at first I thought it was just like recreational you know, because I mean, I, I gamble, I go to Vegas, whatever, but, but, um, he was going to like these local casinos and would, you know, um, spend many, many hours at these places and lose and lose money. Sometimes he'd win money, but you know, most of the time he'd lose money. He'd call me in the middle of the night to go pick him up from some of these places. That's how I found out about it. Cause he'd call me in the middle of the night and, 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 and need a ride from somewhere um, and because um, he didn't have money for this was before Uber and everything and he didn't have money for a taxi and and of course like when whenever he would call like that he would he would call sometimes he'd call like and this is during the week sometimes so I here I am I got to get up and go he didn't he didn't work I got to get up and go to work and he's calling me in the middle of the night to like you know because he's either having a panic attack or he needs to be picked up from somewhere and it's either like a casino or a bar or, or, or something, right? And then sometimes when I get there, and of course I'm worried about him, right? I'm, I'm worried what's going to happen to him if, if I don't, you know? And, and then when I get there, he wouldn't always, it's not like he'd be standing there ready, ready to leave. I'd have to go find him a lot of the times. So here I am, I got out of bed, threw on like whatever, and now I have to go walk into some like casino or bar and go find him. And he'd be there, you know, either if he's, if it was a casino, he'd still be gambling. I'm like, I thought you were done. And you know, I, I don't know if he got money from someone or if he lied about not having money or what the situation was. And then, you know, he would, I, and like an idiot, I'd sit there and wait, right. Until, until he was done. Then, then he'd want to like go get food somewhere. And then he, you know, I mean, So it it sounds like, you know, your relationship started, you're, you're hooked in, you know, you fell for the whole victim part. You are, uh, kind of going off of the fumes of the things implanted in your head by your friends. He also has PTSD. That's a big part. And now you're in this stage where, you know, all of these behaviors are in the realm of control. And, uh, you know, he is doing things his way. His anxiety pops up. You know, you have to do whatever he says. He's using that as a form of control. 
Exactly. Um, you know, his, his anxieties, PTSD, everything that goes along with that to do whatever he wants. And, right. you know, in this process, are you fighting back at all early on as not fighting back physically, but fighting back uh, with words? Are you arguing any of your points? And does he start to uh, devalue in any devalue you in any way uh, if you do or you do not? Um, and if he does certain things to you, uh, are they aggressive? Are they passive aggressive type of things? Yeah. So, so I do start, you know, well, like I said, I would, sometimes I would, I would, you know, try to talk about like, you know, can we talk about what happened last night? You know, when he was like a night where he was particularly like, man, you know, manic and, and he would shut me down. You know, he didn't want to talk about it because talking about it, like takes him through it again. And then that triggers him. And like, uh, you know, um, so so he, so he's he's uh, he's quieting me, you know, pretty quickly, right? Um, and but then other times he would sort of recognize that he's a little out of control, and he would say, "Oh, I need to, you know, I need to stop drinking. I need to, you know, do this." And then and then he maybe would for a while, but it wouldn't, but it wouldn't last. Um, and but, you know, I keep, t yeah, I, every once in a while I would be like, you know, this is, you know, in, in the moment, like while it's happening, I would be like, I'm, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm out of here, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving. And then, and then he would, you know, get be like, you know, crying or upset or something like that. And then you're like, and then I would be like afraid of what he would do to himself, but but then pretty quickly he started um, being, yeah, he, he was definitely passive aggressive. He was, he started, um, uh, if he, if he would call me and I didn't answer the phone, but I called back, like, you know, like you, you see the, you don't notice right away that the phone's ringing and then, and then you're like, oh, but then it's, it's too late. So, but then you call the person right back. He wouldn't answer. And then, or he would call and then say, I have to call you right back because someone else was calling and then he wouldn't sometimes for days. Sometimes like he wouldn't, he wouldn't call back, wouldn't text back like for days until he realized like, Oh, there was something I could, you know, some favor I could do for him or something I'd do for him. And then, and then he, and then he'd call and he'd want to like, he'd want to, he'd want to get together, you know, he'd want to hang out or something. Um, so that, that started happening. He had these friends, quote unquote friends that, um, he wouldn't, he didn't, he said he didn't want me to meet because they weren't the type of people that I should hang out with, but yet he would talk about them all the time, talk to them all the time, sometimes at length on the phone, even when I, when I was with him and he would never mention that I was with him or that he had plans with me. And then if they had something going on, he would drop everything and go be with them. Um, he did that a lot. He did, he, he did that a lot. Like there were times when we, you know, we were supposed to do something or we were together and then all of a sudden he would just change, he would just change his plans and go do something else like without me. Yeah, that, that started happening. Um, then he started, um, like turning kind of turning me against myself, <laughs> I guess, is a way to explain it. Mm -hmm. So 
he would um, things that I considered my strengths. He started he started um, sort of devaluing like. Um, uh, you know, I have, you know, I had a, a, I have a college degree and he would say, oh, that doesn't really matter. You know, like, um, you can, you can, you know, you can get rich or whatever, like without, you know, without that, you know, or whatever, like you can make, you know, money without that doesn't really mean anything. Um, he was always asking me, he would ask me, you know, why, um, why I never got married and had kids. And when I would say like, it was my choice, he would say that, that it was because no one wanted to be with me and that, and that, and because I was selfish. Um, and sometimes he would just say that out of nowhere, like just, you know, like be sitting there doing something else. And he would say, and he would say, God, no one wanted to be with you. Just like that. Um, how come no one wanted to be with you? He would, you know, it obviously was a question I wasn't supposed to answer, but he would, he would do that a lot. Um, you bring that up and then and did um, you start believing these things um it it made me feel bad i don't know if i believed it but i yeah, i guess i did a little bit i mean the you know or i would it would make me think it would make me think about it right like yeah how can maybe yeah no one you know well i am here I am at the age that I am and I, yeah, I haven't, you know, I'm, I'm single. So yeah, I guess maybe there's some truth to that. And he would even say like, did anyone, has, does anyone, did anyone even ever ask you to marry them? Like, you know, he was really getting to the, you know, trying to make that point that if no one even, no one's ever even asked you, if no one's ever asked you, then, Wow, like no one, no one wanted to be with you. Like, yeah, just really making, really making that point. And you know, I guess throughout this meat and potatoes of your relationship and all these things going on, were you catching him in uh, lies or uh, projections where? You know, something might be going, he might accuse you of anything uh, that might be going on in his life that he kind of is doing a swerve. Um, is there any financial abuse or anything like that? Yeah, so the, the, finan the financial comes up. But um, I just, I, I think, I just started noticing, like, that he was just a walking co contradiction, right? You know, uh, he he had a way that every you know he had like I said he had all these rules and all these ways that that um, people needed to be around him, but he didn't care how he acted you know toward people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's yeah. So I'm noticing that just just mainly that just like like the contradict the fact that the fact that he could sit there and spew at me you know, about, it, about, you know, everything under the sun for like hours. But if I tried to, you know, like bring something up, like it's like shut down immediately, you know, you immediately get to that. I don't want to talk about that. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's triggering my anxiety, <laughs> you know, like you're starting, starting to make me anxious or whatever. Like, he had, stop doing, you know, he had two sets of rules 
And he hit it, the two sets of rules, by saying that his PTSD was triggered when talking about these things, so he never, ever had to address them, and that was his way of getting out of it. Right. Yeah. Right. So then, um, so I mentioned the gambling, um, and so early on, or, you know, when I first, you know, maybe the first couple times I, like, picked him up at a casino or whatever, I was still thinking, like, okay, it's a little weird but it's recreational he doesn't work so so he can go with you know he can do this kind of stuff whenever he wants right but he asked me for um he one night we were out somewhere and he wanted to go he wanted to go gamble and he didn't have a lot of cash on him and so he asked to borrow some money and so i thought oh, okay you know gave him like i don't know maybe like 50 bucks or something and, and he went and gambled, and he won money, and he paid me back. Um, now, also, throughout, throughout the relationship, I'm, 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 doing th- I'm doing things for him. I started, like, doing things for him, like little running errands, picking up food. Like, if I was over, go on my way over to his house, he'd be like, hey. He'd call me and say, hey, can you stop at the store and, like, get, you know, get this or get that or whatever, and... And I, and at first, you know, I, at first I didn't mind, you know, I thought, yeah, sure. And then also, you know, I've always had friends where, you know, it was like the relationship was always very reciprocal. So, um, especially like working in the restaurant business, like we, you know, when I worked in the restaurant business and I, and a lot of my friends were also, you know, servers and bartenders and stuff like that. It's sort of, it's, it's like a, it's like an unwritten rule. Like, you know, you, you go out one night, you go out with someone one night and maybe they pay. And then the next time you go out, you pay. And you, you know what I mean? Like you, you never had to talk about it. It just, it just happened. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll go and, you know, get these things for him. And then at some point, like he'll either give me money for it or he'll take me out or something, you know, but of course that would never happen. <laughs> or... Or he'd say, oh, I'll, I'll give you money when, when you know, I get my check or whatever, because he had a couple checks that he got from the government, like, at certain times in the month. So he's like, oh, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll give you money when, you know, X, Y, Z. But then, but then that wouldn't happen. And, and I started kind of, like, keeping, not keeping account that would come later, but just kind of keeping track of that. And I was like, okay. I was like, does he just forget or like, you know, what's going on here? Um, so anyway, so he asked, so he asked us to borrow some money. So I, I lend him some money. So he pays and he, he wins and he pays me back, but he could have given me more money, right? Like to, to cover, you know, the other stuff that I had done for him. Right. So I'm never even, you know, He's just, he's paying, you know, I gave him money, he paid me back, but in truth, he could have given me, he could have paid me back a little more. Um, so that happened a couple of times, and and um, I didn't realize at the time that it was kind of setting me up for requests for, to borrow, like, larger amounts of money later and longer time to pay it back right so he's he's borrowing small amounts and paying me back right away so that I won't be worried about it about him borrowing you know more money later on 
you that's a a real pool hustler move right right where, yeah where you know you start winning these little games little games little games little games and they're like oh let's play the big one and then you know they they clean your clock right right so so that so that's how that started then 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 it moved into um um there was something wrong with one of his you know benefits you know his checks or whatever that he was getting or it wasn't coming on time or or like the timing between the two um was such that that um you know sometimes he he'd have a hard time you know making ends meet um and um so so then he started asking to borrow you know to borrow maybe like a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks or something like that and um and again, you know, I, here I am, I am like, I, you know, I'm at this point in my life. I have, you know, I have extra money. I'm like, you know, I'm feeling pretty solid, you know, and all of this. Um, and, and so I'm like thinking, okay, yeah, he, maybe he just needs a little help. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe he just, maybe he just needs a little help. Maybe he just needs a little understanding. And, um, so I, I started lending him money. And, and sometimes he'd pay me a little bit. Sometimes he would actually pay me money. And then the next day ask for some or all of it back. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, he would, he would write checks to me and then, you know, to pay me back and then ask me not to cash them. Um, I still have those checks, by the way. Um, I keep them as a reminder. So part of it, you're getting the feeling that you might be paid or might not be paid, but at least there's this weird effort that might be made. It's not a real there's, effort, but you're getting, little, the, you're getting a sense of somewhat security to keep it going. There's a little effort, but I'm also noticing that, that you know, um, during this time, by the way, his anxiety and all of that seems to, have some, seems to be d diminishing. Like there, there aren't as many panic attacks. He got off a lot of the medication you know, and stuff like that. So he seems to be, he seems to be doing better, right? Um, we're not seeing a whole lot of each other. Uh, now that he owes me money, he's ghosting me a little bit, right? Um, we're not seeing, at this point, we're no longer, we're no longer like a couple. Now we're just friends, right? He, you know, made that determination at one point that, you know, that he, he didn't think we could, we should be together, but that, but that he really valued my friendship. <laughs> so, so now we're friends. So, so um, I guess uh, for one second, how did that move happen? When that, like, was it a? Did it? Did it slowly happen that way, or like, was it by design? Do you think? Um, well, I mean, or he was, like, was it a way of like distancing you uh, to eventually yeah. get out of it? Well, he started with the past, with the with the phone with the phone games, right? And the and then disappearing on the weekends to go hang out with these other friends and stuff like that. And it just sort of, I mean, it didn't feel like a relationship. So, you know, I I kind of um, maybe I asked, you know, what was going on, and he, you know, and he just was like, "We're not together," you know, "We're not together." Almost like, almost like it was never that way. You know, we're not together. 
And how did how did you feel about that? What happened? Like, were you upset? Where did you go? Yeah. So, so what, time, what what were the depths of your feelings on that? Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I was upset, but I also because I had felt so over, you know, so overwhelmed with him and everything about him that I kind of was. I was kind of happy to like resume my life, you know. Um, I started because at the time when I, you know, when I was with him, you know, sort of when things were in this like this whirlwind of like being with him all the time and him calling all the time and like dropping everything to to you know to either help him with something or or be with him or whatever. Um, I wasn't doing any of the things that I normally did in my life. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't sleeping well. I wasn't working out. I was, I was, he ate, he used to eat, um, like crappy food, <laughs> fast food. I was eating, I was, I would eat with him. So I'm eating bad, you know, bad food. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not hanging out with my friends. I'm not doing any of the things, you know, in my life that I used to do and that I enjoy. So, so even though, yeah, I was upset about it, I, I kind of was, you know, was also like, I need to get, you know, I had that feeling like I need to get my life back. You know, I need to start, I need to get back to the, to the things that I, that I like to do. So that's how I, that's how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and then, so now in this like friendship, quote unquote, um, now he's calling, you know, every once in a while, like every maybe maybe once a week or you know every other week and and usually it's to um borrow more money and now i'm starting to that was kind of a turning point for me the money was a turning point because it had taken me a long time um to to be at a place where i felt financially secure you know, in my life. And that was like a, that's a very, that's a very important thing for me. And I'm not like rich by any means or anything like that, but that's a very big thing for me because I don't have anybody to fall back on. Right. So I always had to make sure that I was, you know, okay financially. And I wasn't for a long time. Like, right. You know, when I got out of, when I got out of college, I had, you know, I had student loans and I, you know, I'm, you know, paying for my own place and my own car and I'm, you know, working like three jobs. And, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have enough to where I was like saving money or, or putting away for retirement or anything like that. I mean, that took a long, that took a while for me to get to, to get to that point. And, um, but, but that's where I, you know, I, but I was there and I, you know, I'd been there for a while and, and, you know, I knew what it was like to have nothing. And I was never going to go back there, you know? I was never going to go back there again. But he's borrowing money from me, and he's always saying that he's going to pay it back because he had, like, some windfall. There was, like, some windfall of money that he was supposed to be coming into that was, like, it was always right around the corner. It was, like, it was like a week away, two weeks away, a month away. You know, there was always this this money that he was supposed to be getting, and then he said he would pay me everything he owed me, like all at once, right? 
So I, I still don't know why I kept lending him money, but I did. And, but now I'm, but now I'm starting to look at this differently. And, and I had researched a lot about PTSD and, and, you know, for that time when I was still um, attributing all of his behavior to PTSD, I was like, okay, I need to learn about this so I know how to deal with him. And then um, once his, but once, you know, I started noticing, like, his anxiety and his panic attacks and stuff like that, he started, he actually did start, like, you know, being healthier, like, you know, eating healthier and working out and stuff like that. And I'm noticing, like, he seems to be doing a lot better but he's still, he's still, a, he's still an a-hole, <laughs> right? He's still, he's still not a good, not a nice person, you know? He's still, he's, he's still ghosting me, triangulating me, like all these things. Um, I, I, I sat down one day and, and, you know, I was always like anxious, like wondering, like, is he going to call? When's he going to call? What's he doing? Is he going to pay me back? You know, I just, it was just on my mind, like constantly. Plus I'm also running through like the things that had happened in the, in the past, you know, in the past few months, right? Like all of those, all of those manic, you know, those nights where he was like, you know, with the manic behavior and the gambling and the, you know, I'm just like, all that stuff is running through my head. And, um, and so I sat down and I just examined like how I was feeling one day and I, and, and it just hit me that I felt that same way when I was like growing up, that anxiety, that uncertainty, like the, the um the uh loss of uh you know self-esteem you know the low self-esteem the you know all of that just kind of came back to me and it was like i don't know it was like a lightning bolt hit me and then i started i went i, I went online <laughs> like like a lot of people in these situations do and i just started you know, putting in like, what does it mean when someone does this to you or acts this way or whatever? And these things start popping up. Like, are you dating a narcissist? <laughs> are, are, are you dating a psychopath? Like, you know, and I was just like, oh my God, why did I not see this? Like he hits every criteria. I mean, just unbelievable. And, and then I knew like that, um, I was in trouble, uh, and that I had to, I had to get out of it. And I started, uh, you know, everything, you, you know, you read a lot. I started reading everything I could. I read articles. I read books. I, you know, I'm, I went on some forums. I know you don't like those, but I did. And I swear it was so, in some instances, I would read somebody's story, and I, and I, and I thought we were talking about the same person. And I'm not saying that like in a, in like a, you know, like a joking way. I mean, I really meant, I really thought, I was like, where is this person from? Like, you know, are we talking about the same person? Because the, because the, the tools that are used, the tools in the narcissist toolbox that are being used are like, are like so common, right? And so I knew I had, I was like, okay, I knew I had to go no contact and I knew, uh, but he owes me money. 
and and it and it had grown to a pretty significant amount. I mean, he 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 almost like wiped out my savings. Um, the last the last money that I gave him was to cover a bad check that he wrote for a new car. So, and the way I found out about that is that you know I hadn't heard from him in a little while. Um. And then all of a sudden he contacted me and he wanted to he wanted to like go to the beach or something you know one day, and so I you know, said okay you know we're supposed to be friends right so this is you know I'm I'm trying to be friendly. Do, and he you, showed... do you do you see these acts of wanting to go the, to the beach and things like that as uh, as breadcrumbs as I'm like let's do something normal here. So to normalize yeah. things so then I can take advantage of you again? I don't – well, I see them as I'm hoping that they're steps in the right direction. I'm hoping that, you know, that they're like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to do something normal and then maybe he's going to pay me a little bit of what he owes me and, you know, we're just going to have like this sort of normal friendship. That, that's what I'm – that's what I'm hoping. But it, I'm also it, it is one of your fears that okay, if I cut things off right now, I'm never going to see that money again. Absolutely. Okay. I knew. Yeah, absolutely. Like I felt like I had to sort of like play nice in order to even have a chance at at like because now now that I'm seeing things for what they are, like my sympathy for him is gone. My sympathy's gone. But I'm also now I know like oh shoot, I'm in this I'm in this like weird situation with him now. Um, he doesn't know that I know that I'm that I'm seeing these things for as him, you know, treating me badly, and that um, so I need to like, and I want to get my money back. So I felt like I had to like sort of play along in order to have a chance at that. That if I if I like called him out on his behavior and then just and then just just you know got away from him that would almost be giving him permission to then just disappear, mm -hmm. right? And not, you know, not pay me back anything. So I, I yeah, I felt like I had to stay, I had to stay there. Um, you know, so he would contact me. So now on, but, but before, like, I would be maybe trying to contact him and trying to make plans with him, you know, and, um, and then, and, and he would just sometimes, sometimes he would he would, and then other times he would just you know not take my calls or whatever. So now I'm not calling him at all. I'm not contacting him. He's contacting me, and um, so he wants to go to the beach or whatever. And and he shows up in a in a brand new car, <laughs> and and I was like, wait a minute, you're like you owe me money and you're out buying a new car? Like, what, what's going on? And, and, uh, and so that day he's telling me again about this, you know, the story about some the money that he's supposed to be getting and all of that, but that's, that that's why he got the cars because his, this money that he always talked about, like for months now that he talked about getting, like that was supposed to be happening. And I still to this day don't even know if that was true. Um, but at some point during the day, he, uh, he says that, um, that they're going to, 
that that the money didn't come in when it was supposed to, and so the check that he wrote for the car um, didn't clear, and now they were gonna they were gonna you know repossess the car, and and could I help him? And and I said no, <laughs> you know I was like no, I was like take it back. I was like tell them that you're mentally ill and that you shouldn't be entering into contracts. That's what I said. So tell me you have PTSD and all this, and that you shouldn't be entering into you should you should be entering into contracts and take the car back. And and um and I you know I said I wouldn't give them money, and I said that you know being in the legal field, I said like you know I'll do some research and see what your options are. But I didn't know how long he had the car, and it turned out that he had already had it for like over a month, and that even if he did take it back he would still be on the hook for the loan. So then he wanted me to, he wanted me to buy the car. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like change, change it all over into my, into my name, but then let him drive it. <laughs> I was like, what? That, that makes no sense. I was like, why am I going to buy a car that I had no access, that, that then I don't have access to and I was like, so I have to buy the car, insure it, and then let you drive it around? No. I'm like, no, no, sorry. That's, that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, and, and I'm sitting there, so now I'm sitting there like in a different headspace, right? And I'm just like, oh my God, the, the, just the, the gall, right? Of this person, you know, like, oh my, this is unbelievable, this is unbelievable to me. And um, so uh, finally I said, you know, I said, okay, look, I'll, I'll help you out because it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense for you to be without the, a car and still responsible for the loan. You know, just, I'm not just so, to- just, just so you know, when you said I will help you out, I guarantee you there's a collective groan from everyone listening being like, oh, no. I know. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. God, I know. Trust me, I was, I was there. <laughs> I was there, and I was, and I was just, oh, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm going to help you out because it doesn't make sense for you to be, to have, be responsible for this loan and not have a car. And then I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not going to buy the car. I had the car that I had at the time was like 13 years old. It had been paid off for a long time, but I knew I was going to have to buy myself a new, I was going to be buying myself a new car. Like in the next year, I'd already started looking. Right. So I'm not going to buy him a car, <laughs> you know, and then not be able to buy myself a car. Right. I was like, this guy's, he's, you're messing with my, you're messing with my financial future. And and it's really it's this is this is starting to, you know, really you know bother me because now this is like you're messing with my, you're really messing with my life now. So, so you're, you're, is your decision making here, uh, is it guilt, or is it this is the only way I can think of how to get my money back is by giving more money? It was a little bit, you know. So in that situation, I mean. Um, Maybe he could have gotten the money from someone else, mm-hmm. but um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know why. Yeah, I guess, I guess a little bit was, you know, well, he's got to, you know, if I do this, this thing for him, he's got, you know, he's got to, he's got to pay me back, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is such a big deal, right? This isn't like, 
you know, a, you know, a couple hundred dollars here and a couple hundred dollars there for like random things, you know. Um, but but deep but, down, you know, if you don't do it, it's gone. If I don't do it, yeah, there's a there's definitely. Oh yeah, he would probably just like dismiss Dis- me dis- and just then, disappear. Because in, 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 in a way, disappear. right now, if you kind of take a step back and look, you've already been discarded in a way. Right. You know, your relationship just ended when he wanted it over and discarded. So right now you are, he doesn't have to deal with any of you on a daily basis, a, a sense of like you saying, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And you, you've now been put into this uh, friend zone where he can contact right. you when he wants and he still uses you as supply, especially for money. Who knows what else he's getting from everyone else. But now you've been brought in and now are compartmentalized and are separated. Right. And the, yeah. And it's pretty much all about money now. Yeah. And like the little, the little crumbs, like you say, you know, of like, like, Oh, let's go do this. Or, Oh, let's do that. that. That's just to keep me sort of like in that, you know, loop just yes. to keep me sort of tied. He doesn't want me getting too far away. Cause remember I started like resuming my life. Right. But he doesn't want me to get too far away. So he's like, you know, he, there were there was, there were late night calls, um, you know, like it was like his his PTSD and anxiety and panic attacks and stuff like that would flare up like when he, when he wanted them to, <laughs> you know, and it's you know, and it'd be that you know he's calling, sounding desperate, and you know, and. Uh, and you know, it's like when it you know wants to talk, wants to need somebody to talk to or whatever. And but that's all just designed just to keep me sort of in that loop. So, so I said I'd give him the money for the car, but I said, but not until you you have to start paying me back what you owe me, and we need to figure out a way where. Because at this point, you know, like, like I said, he'd already, you know, he had like written me checks and then told me not to cash them and given me money and asked for it back and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I didn't want to have to chase him for it. I said, we have to figure out a way where you can pay me and I don't have to have contact with you. I don't have to ask you for it or chase you for it. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. So, so we, we figured out a way to where one of his checks that he, that he got would go directly to me, and I opened up like a whole separate bank account because obviously I don't want him mixing in my bank account. So I opened up a whole separate bank account, and 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 that and he had that check routed to that account, like on a month on a monthly basis, and and so we set that up, and then and then I gave him the money for the truck. Now, what's weird is like he has. He has. He doesn't have the PIN number for that account, so he can't get any money out of it. It's just to put the money in. But he still has. He has control over that. He could stop that at any time. So every month, I was like, I knew when the check was supposed to be in there, and every month I was like, panicked. You know, I was I was like checking to see if it went in because he could just decide to stop doing that. Right. So it's like so it's like this little victory, right, that he's actually paying me, but yet he still has control because he could stop it at any time. Mm-hmm. And um so you know, but he's now but now he's not he's not really talking to me at all, which is which was actually 
fantastic. Like at this point, I was like, good. The money's coming in. I don't have, you know, I'm not in contact with him. You know, I'm not, you know, I stopped taking his, I stopped answering his calls. Um, and, and I was like, okay, this is good. Things are good now. Then he starts up again, um, with the late night phone calls and, and the, and now he's texting, you know, um, and more and, 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 and surprising or maybe not surprisingly, more requests for more money. <laughs> and I'm like, you've got to be, and I'm texting him back saying, you've got to be out of your mind. Like, no. And he would, he would berate me over text, um, you know, saying, you know, like, why won't you help me? I know you can help me. I'm like, I don't have the money. I would just tell him straight out, like, I don't have it anymore. I gave you, I, I, I gave you, you know, I already gave you like so much money. Like, I don't, I don't, you, you're messing with, you know, you, you messed with my, financial security and and I won't do it you know we're done and I almost like it was almost like morbid curiosity that once I said it like that plainly that you know I said you're messing with my financial security I you know I'm not giving you another dime um I I've been you know in my life where I had nothing and I'm never going there again for anybody and I had this little sense of morbid curiosity where I wanted to see how far he would go um, once I told him that. And, and he kept going. He, he, every once in a while, he would just still show up and still text and still call and still, and still ask for more money and, and still, you know, do the, like, you know, like he's, and the stories he would come up with, you know, for the reason that he needed it and his, and the whole plan that he had for, you know, like after he, after he pays, you know, like we could just add it to what I, what he already owes me. And then he'll pay me back like with interest. And he even, he would bring up like spreadsheets that would show like, you know, how much more I would get back. Like if, you know, with the interest he was going to pay me and then we could maybe go on a trip together and stuff. I was just like, but at this point, by now, by by that point, this is like a this is about like a almost a almost a year in, and and by this point, I'm just like I'm impervious to like his stories and his thing. I have no sympathy for him at all. Um, I'm still just like keeping in contact once in a while just to make sure the money keeps coming in. But you know, and I'm sort of humoring him by listening to to all of these things, like I had a choice. I mean, he would come over to my house and just like start spewing all this stuff. And, um, and then, um, and then I, I, but I would, I would leave. Um, I, I'd leave and I'd leave with, you know, with, I'd say no, I'd let, I'd let him go through his whole spiel, almost like a salesman. And then at the end I would say, I'm sorry. Um, no, can't do it. And I would leave. And I knew every single time that happened, because it, it happened like a number of times, every single time that happened, I knew like that there was a chance that he would try to like um, kind of like take revenge on me and like, you know, stop, you know, stop the checks, you know, stop paying, stop the checks from going into that account or something like that. I just, you know, I knew, I knew that that was the, that chance was there and I, and I had to, I told myself that I had to be prepared for that. 
that I had to be prepared to walk away no matter what and that and if that happened I would just have to chalk it up to it being like an expensive lesson and that you know but I had to be prepared for that to happen and that's how I you know that's kind of how I got through it just like you know I that's a reality that's a possibility I have to be prepared for that and if it happens so what and you know just sort of like this will never I'm never giving him another dime like this is this is done this is done I started turning my phone off at night because um he would call you know and like in the morning there'd be like you know eight or ten like missed calls or text messages so I started just turning my phone off at night when I'd go to bed and and I wouldn't turn it on again until I got to work um because then I wouldn't be tempted to like call him back or anything and and I just you know I just kept doing that and so I could get myself like further and further away and surprisingly he did keep paying me and then um and then and then uh and he started going to school and then he so then he's texting me and contacting me and asking me for money for things he needs for school you know because he thinks that he thinks that will be um you know different like i'll think i'll look at that as like oh this is a good thing that he's doing and and yes this should be supported you know kind of thing because that's how i was before right um but i i i was like no not happening and and he would get he would get pretty irate um with me and accuse me of lying about you know how much money i had and how much money i made and you know and he's like i know you make enough you know i know you make enough money and this and that and and then and then other times he would say he would try to devalue my work and say that that he probably made more money than me for do, you know doing nothing <laughs> so um uh, so it goes on like this and i'm turning my phone off at night and trying to do no contact and this and that and then and then the most amazing thing happens he meets someone else <laughs> and that that would be like on one hand it was great because now he's not focused on me at all um but i admit i did fall down i fell down that 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 rabbit hole of of like being curious about the new supply and wondering if she was experiencing the same things that i did and um and i did some cyber stalking and um and they were you know and was you know kind of surprised to see that you know how loved up they they seemed and everything and and um i was also surprised that like there was all this social media out there because he was that was another thing he was always like really paranoid about and i didn't really use it a lot back then i didn't you know i've never been like a big picture taker and all of that so that didn't you know never came up in our relationship you know i just knew that i just knew it was something he didn't you know he was kind of paranoid about like didn't want people like you know talking about him posting about him stuff like that but then here he is with this person like you know splashed all over and all of these like you know going places and doing things and all these like um uh you know these uh um you know all this affection being thrown around and and um and it, it looked nothing i thought it, it it looked nothing like most of the relationship that i had with him i Where, know did I, you did you wonder to yourself 
this is the relationship and the guy that I wanted. Uh, he's having it with this person. Is there something wrong with me? Did that ever oh, pop yeah. in right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought, because that's what I was looking for, right? I was looking for similarities, but I wasn't seeing them. So then I thought, well, wait a minute. What was it about me that allowed him to be so horrible to me? You know, like now he's, now he seems like almost PTSD free and he's, you know, he's got a new car. <laughs> he's got a new car, going to school and he's, you know, he, he's out and he's doing, you know, doing things and going places that were, you know, that we could never, um, uh, some things that we could never do because of his, you know, because he said he was not, a, you know, not able to or whatever. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so I, I went through that, that whole, like, you know, what did I, what's wrong with me? You know, I went back into that. And it took a while to, you know, to not feel, you know, really crappy about that. And, and to feel like, can't even explain it, you know? You just feel less than, I guess. Like this, you know, this person, this person must be, I was like, either she's putting up with a lot or he's just, or he's changed. That was my, that was my thought. Like either, either it's happening and she's just putting up with it <laughs> or may, or or maybe he's changed kind of thing. And, um, and not knowing is killing you uh, internally the whole time. And, yeah, I'm, and I'm in a way, you just want to know the reality of, of what's going on. Yeah, and I'm trying not to cyberstalk, but it becomes, you become, you become almost obsessed, you know? Like yes. you're, you know, especially once you find, you get that out. And this is like, and I will say this is this is her social media, not his, right? So this is her. This is all her, you know, doing this, putting these, you know, putting pictures up and, and all of this stuff. So, so it's kind of like her point of view, but but it was all very. It was like almost like you know, so sugary sweet. Like I was like, oh my god. And and they actually they were together for for a, for a while, um, and. Um, you know, our, our mutual friends, like that, that couple that we were, that I became friends with, like, so he's hanging out with them now with this new person and then I'm hanging out with them separately. So I'm hearing, you know, a little bit about the relationship, like through them, you know, but it all sounds, you know, perfectly, you know, fine, but they know him the way I know him. So they're, so they're kind of like, you know, that poor girl, you know? kind of thing. Um, but, but, and I'm not saying that I know, I'm not telling them that I know that I know anything about it or that I've seen anything. I'm just like, I'm like, well, you know, yes, they're happy. They're happy, you know, kind of thing. And, and, um, and, every... and just a word for, for everyone who's listening. If you ever get into these situations where you have mutual friends that are still friends with both sides, ask those other people never to mention that other person to you in your presence it's triggering it keeps you involved in that world when you're trying to separate yourself i'm sorry i just had to put that in there right and, and get back to it sorry right right it, it 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 does you're right because you know there's these little 
little crumbs there that you know where you're you're they're giving you uh, this little this little view into into this person's world that you no longer have contact with right and 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 you are curious you know but yeah it's not a good it's not a good it's not a good place to be um but I'm sure, I'm sure at one point he told them like not to hang, you know, not to hang out with me or something. I don't know. I didn't, we weren't like, we didn't become like good friends, but you know, we saw each other once in a while. So, um, I, I recognized the behavior that I was doing as like not good <laughs> and then that I needed to, I needed to just not be concerned with it, but it was really hard. It was really hard. Like just, you know, weaning myself off of that and not being curious and not wanting to look and see what was, you know, try to, try to see what, you know, what was going on and, and, and things like that. So, so, um, let's see, I'm trying to heal myself. He's, he's still paying me because, you know, he's distracted now. He's not, he's not contacting me. Um, so, you know, I'm, my life is, is getting back to normal. Um, going things are going things are going pretty well but we still live near each other so there's still always that 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 chance that you're going to run into and I'm going to run into him or them him and his new person right so every time so every time I go out you know because like the the little area that I live in is kind of like a cute little town and it has its own, there's a street that has its own like restaurants and shops and stuff like that. And I can just walk there. So it's real convenient. But every time I, and I always know people when I go out and stuff, run into people I know, but every time I go out, I have this like anxiety, like that I'm going to run into him, you know? And, and um, at that point I had no idea like what he thought about me or, how he would, if I did see him, how, if he would even speak to me, like I, I had no idea what was going on in his head, but I just knew, I just knew how I felt every time, every time I went out and there was a chance I would run into him, even driving by his, by his, his house, which was like my regular route home, unless I went a different way, I got, I, I felt, I would feel myself getting anxious. You know, my heart would start beating and I, you know, you know, just that anxiety would, would come up. And, and, um, and then one day I did, it, it happened. And I had started writing too, uh, during that time, during that time of like trying to heal, trying to get your life back, you know, actually realizing what happened to you and what you were like sucked into and, 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 you know, trying to figure out why and making sure it's not going to happen again. I, I, I went back to what I know and I started writing and I would write, you know, sometimes I would write um, accounts of, of like things that happened in the past. And um, because it's almost like a dream, like you can't even believe it. And then other times I would write like what I would say to him if, you know, if given the opportunity, you know, almost like your letters, letters to my narcissist. So I was doing a lot of that. I was doing a lot of writing and it was really helpful just to get it, to get it out to get it, to, to have it on paper and look at it and read it and just be like, oh, my God, you know, like, this, this really happened to me. This, you know, I really went through this. And, um, and then I did run into him. And, and it was in, like, a, a social place, social setting. And to my surprise, he was by himself. 
he wasn't with his um, new person. And to my surprise, he was like, oh, happy to see me. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God, how are you? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, wanted to sit down and catch up. You know, like we were like old friends that just hadn't seen each other in a long time. And so I agreed in, uh, to sit down. And, and he's, you know, he's telling me, like, you know, he, he wanted an update on where he was with um, paying me back. And, and I told him, you know, because I kept I – then, then I did have, like, a spreadsheet I was keeping – and I was keeping track of, of everything, and I told and I, so I told him like you know he was about about halfway halfway done paying me back, and that I would for sure let him know like when you know when it was done, and and he's talking about school and things like that you know, and then and then he started talking about this new person that he's with, and one of the first things was like he made it sound like. It was a new relationship. Like they hadn't been seeing each other that long. When I knew they had been together already like for a year, if not a little more. But he made it sound like, you know, like they just started seeing each other. <laughs> and um, he complained about her family. He complained about her friends. Um, he didn't like any of them. He didn't think that they were good people. Um, he, um, I think she had, um, tattoos and he didn't like that. Um, and he said that he had asked her not to get any more tattoos and she had anyway, she did anyway, and that he wasn't happy about that, but he thought it was trashy and like not ladylike. And he, um, he didn't say one good thing about her, um, he said that um, she was complaining. She was already complaining about like doing things for him, like his lawn, like doing his laundry, um, and <laughs> and and what else did he say? Oh my God! It was just you know I was just sitting there stunned, like looking at him, like he was like a animal in a zoo, and I was just like, wow, this is actually happening, like right in front of my eyes. Like he's, I'm, he's devaluing her, you know. Like, this is, this is, it's like textbook. Um, he even said that he, um, he, oh, he said, he goes, I know it seems like I don't, but I, you know, I think about you a lot. And um, he said that he talked to his new person about me and a lot and how, and like what a, what a good person I was and how like she should be more, you know, like me. And, and, um, I was like, well, okay, he's using me to triangulate her. Like all this, all this stuff that I've read now is like it's all just clicking and going through my head. And I'm like, this is a, this is incredible. And I even, I even said, I remember what I said, but I know I stood up for her. I was like, I was like, hey, look, if you don't like, you know, it's, it's her body, you know, about the tattoos, it's her body. If she wants, she wants tattoos, she can have tattoos. Like if you don't like it, then don't be with her. Like you know, and um, I'm like, okay. You know, he has not changed at all, you know. Like, I don't care what what is being shown on her social media platform. Like, this is not a good situation, you know. There's no way. There's no way she's happy in this. Like, this is – he has not changed at all. So now that this is over, this person is no longer in your life – Looking back at the situation growing up with your mom, being emancipated, 
uh, all the issues that formed and the beliefs that kind of carried you through here and also uh, beliefs that formed during this relationship, you know, were there specific things you wanted to tackle uh, that you've identified uh, or is this just, you know, relearning what you already taught yourself and, and sticking to your guns? Yeah, it's more, it's more, it's more like going back to, you know, you know, like the way I was living my life before was fine. You know, it was just more of like, it just sort of reinforced that again, like, um, um, there's nothing I had had someone, um, my mom at some point had sent me to a counselor when I was like 14 and, um, uh, because you know when she was telling me that I was depressed and and my mom by the way like she's she was uh, she worked in the medical field and and for part of the time she worked in like psychiatric she did some like psychiatric work I remember I remember specifically her saying that she was working at some point she was working with people who were manic depressive so this is something that I learned about like you know as young and so when she's sitting there telling me that she thinks I'm depressed this isn't only, this isn't just coming from my mom. This is coming from like a medical professional, right? So I'm thinking like, so she's telling me there's something wrong with me. I think, okay, maybe she's right. Maybe there is something wrong with me. And so I went to a counselor and um, this counselor figured out pretty quickly what was going on. And she tried to set up sessions with, with both my mom and I. And my mom would either um, cancel at the last minute and the last time she tried to set up a session, she tried, she thinks she tried like three or four times. The last time she tried to set up a session, my mom just didn't show up. And this, this, this lady, and now thinking about it, it's kind of funny because this, um, this she was a, a young, she was probably right out of grad school or something. And, um, and she was pissed and not, you know, and, and cause she's thinking like, my mom, my mom's like a colleague, right? How dare you? how dare you, you know, like treat another medical professional this way. And, 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 and also you're supposed to be a parent that's supposed to be concerned about your, your daughter. So she actually gave me a ride home. That was the last session I had with her. Um, she gave me a ride home and she had me wait in the car and she went and talked to my mom and my mom didn't let her in the house. They were just on the porch, but I could tell she was, I couldn't hear, but I could tell she was yelling at her and probably saying the same things that she said to me, like, how dare her? You know, and um, and she got back in the car and she turned to me and she said, there's nothing wrong with you. Your mom is the problem. There is nothing wrong with you. And that definitely got me through the next few years. Right. But it also but now again, here we were like here I was like decades later, having gone through this with, you know, this relationship and toxic friendship with this person. And again, I had to like, you know, the, she was like the first person to tell me that other people would tell me that like, you know, throughout the years. But 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 here I was decades later and I had to like repeat that almost like repeat that to myself. Like there's nothing wrong with me. Like, I was fine. I tried to fix myself by being with this person and bending over backwards and twisting myself into a pretzel to prove that I could have, like, you know, a, a relationship, you know, that, 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 um, that I thought, you know, um, that I wanted. That, that fits social norms. That, yes, and that fits social norms. And that, 
you know, I had to prove that I was capable of caring about some, you know, someone at, to a certain, to a, to a certain level or something. And then, and then I realized that, you know, I, I picked the wrong person, <laughs> obviously, or they picked me. Um, it was, just, you know, just the timing or whatever, but, but there was nothing wrong with, you know, like I, yeah, I went through that and I had to learn from it, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't, I don't need that. And I don't, I mean, if it happens, it happens. You know, I'm still open to having like a, a, a good relationship and, you know, a, a respectful, reciprocal relationship with, with someone. But, but yeah, I, I just, I had to go back to like, you know, the way I, you know, what I was doing and the way I was living was like, was completely fine. I didn't need that. So before we end our show, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for anyone, for everyone who is listening? Not, I don't know if it's really advice, but I will say that, um, that you can, you can, um, you can experience or, or come across like, you know, narcissists in different areas of your life. I think that's, you know, that's one thing that I learned. So you can have a, a, a parent who's a narcissist. You can have a boss who's a narcissist. And then, of course, the personal relationships, friends, and, and significant others. Um, I had a couple bosses, you know, and, and, but I recognized it right away. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> you know? and, and, and it's good to recognize it and know that, like, okay, this is someone that I need to keep at arm's length. But it's not always that easy, right? Especially if it's a parent or a boss or something, you know, people you have to have contact with. So what becomes important, though, is like at least what became important to me um, was how I was feeling. You know, I had to really examine how I was feeling, how this person is making you feel. And, and is your life being disrupted? Your life as you knew it, is it, you know, uh, hopefully your life, you liked, you liked the way it was before this person came into it, and now your life is being disrupted. And, and and you have to really like stay in tune with with how you're feeling and what's going on with you and then de- and then determine like if this is a situation that needs to be addressed and needs and that you need to like you know extricate yourself from um somehow but but that's the thing that i noticed was that even though these were two different people and two completely different types of relationships the way that i felt in them was the same and that's and then the second one that's what that's what turned me around was that i realized how i was feeling well cc i want to thank you for being here and sharing your story with us today we pointed out a lot of things uh you know you did a really good job so i just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for oh, thank being you here it's today. so hard you, your brain is like all over the place and i feel like it's so oh, no, i have my uh your notes in, in front of me so i'm sitting here and i'm like yeah 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 you got it uh-huh uh-huh i know you wrote such thorough notes it's hard to keep and you're doing it from your side it's very hard to keep track of, yeah and uh, i'm not uh, looking at them i thought of trying to have them on the side, but then I thought I'd be like distracted and trying to, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. To like, to rehearsed or something. So, so yeah. So I decided just to go, just to do it, just 
you know. <laughs> well, you, you did great. Hear from my brain. You, you did great, and uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing. Thank you. But you're welcome. And for everyone who is listening from CC and I, we hope you have a good night. Oh, one, one more thing. One more thing? Okay, hold sorry. on. That was a false ending. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because this is really important. There's one more thing to everybody out there. You're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're not crazy. And there's nothing wrong with you. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, everyone who is listening, you're not crazy. And from Cece and I, we hope you have a good night. <laughs>